All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Fearless Training Raw Knowledge Podcast with your host, as ever, myself, Alex Connor. And you already know we have raw, real, and insightful conversations. And today I'm back with another guest, Philip DeBella. Thank you for joining me this morning, my friend. How are you? Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. No, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So, First of all, tell us a little bit, you know, to paint a picture for people who may not be aware of you, um, who you are, what you do, but more importantly, why you do it. Yeah, look, I'm um, very quickly, I'm a son of migrants, so I've got some really good Italian um, heritage and values of hardworking and, you know, I'm very social kind of person. I'm passionate about people, opportunity and education. They're the three things that I'm really passionate about. Um Became mostly known, obviously, for the uh, company I started called Debella Coffee in 2002 as a startup, and we grew that to be the biggest in the country and sold it in 2017, where I completely exited um, and did some consulting for a while. And then in 2021, uh, we launched the Coffee Commune, uh, which is a new business, first of its kind. And the why in it is all about helping people accelerate their potential. It's all about bringing business owners or the whole ecosystem together from um you know, the um, hospitality industry and helping them become better versions of themselves uh, in what they do. And whether they're a coffee enthusiast, a barista, um, a cafe owner uh, or a supplier uh, or a coffee roaster, we, we built an ecosystem where people come together uh, to um, to do. And, and the, the basis of it was to plug a hole, to solve a problem of what, you know, what I had in 2002. I didn't have any, I had limited startup capital. I had limited support. I had, I had no buying power. I had no advocacy. I was new, new to the industry. I was flying solo. Um, and what we're doing now, and we've, um, we've already got 150 odd people working in our ecosystem is we fast track all that. So they, you know, they've got world-class infrastructure and equipment um, where we've spent the CapEx on. They've got education programs. Uh, they've got buying power because of, um, we bring everybody together under a buying group. Uh, so we've, we're doing all the things that I um, struggled. And again, the why is all about helping people um, succeed. And we say for them to be better tomorrow than what they are today. Um, and obviously with COVID and the given times and where we're heading, uh, it's it's become more prevalent and more in need to be able to help people uh, help their bottom line, help them be sustainable, help them be profitable. Mm. No, that's a great synopsis. And there's a couple of things I want to unpack. There. I think COVID being one of them. And we talked before we got live on the air about not sitting on the sidelines, which I think is kind of going to correlate to that, where a lot of people contract where perhaps as a business, you need to expand into the space to a degree. You, you mentioned, you know, some Italian values. I really resonate with that. My mom's Italian, you know, growing up in between England and Italy, it's great. Was that the passion that inspired the coffee journey uh, in terms of the product? Or was there something else initially and then you gravitated towards that or, or it was something that you were just always passionate about from, from a cultural and lifestyle aspect. Yeah, look, the um, dad's a coffee freak, right? So he loves mm. coffee. I grew up, he used to take me to this coffee shop um, that roasted its own coffee in the Valley and, and he buys coffee fresh every week. And, and, and funny enough, that was the cafe I started working for when I went to university that expanded and um, I stayed there for nine years, but why coffee um, from a young age, you know, you always got visitors coming over, you know, you've got Italian heritage yourself, you know, there's a lot of visitors in the house every week, there's, you know, two or three nights a week, there's visitors. And the first thing that goes on the table is coffee, you know, and yeah. mum was a, you know, an amazing baker, making all sorts of Italian sweets and desserts. Um, so as soon as people got to our house within 10 minutes, there's a tablecloth going on the table and the coffee pot's on. So you see this liquid that unites people and 
and as I said in the onset, why not, you know, my passion is around people and and connectivity and seeing people engage with each other. And and you see, so I was brought up seeing them do it around coffee. Mm. Um, when mm. I say coffee is a passion, I love coffee, um, but is it my number one passion? No. Um, I love the industry. I love what it stands for. I love the ecosystem. Uh, mm. Being a marketer, I love stories. Uh, but how I got into it was I, I didn't know whether I wanted to be a lawyer or an accountant, um, which is one of the advice I give to people now, always keep your options open. So I, um, I did a commerce degree and um, I was able to do a commerce degree, which meant I did law, I did accounting, I did economics, I did information systems, but I fell in love with marketing and human resources. And um, so I followed that journey and um, it just happened to be that working in a cafe that roasted its own coffee, I was able to, to build assignments and do work around that. So it, it wasn't a lot of people in life are either chasing a career um you know in a specific industry whereas for me it was rather i was chasing security i was chasing i wanted to be the master of my own destiny uh i wanted to create something on my own i had that entrepreneurial spirit uh and coffee just happened to be uh what aligned at the right the right place right time mm, no that, that makes sense and what age were you philip when you, you started this journey 26 so 26 i was 2002 when i started to bella coffee mm-hmm. Um, I finished school in 92. I went to university in 93, uh, graduated four years later, but worked in a place. And it's one of the key takeaways. Uh, you know, these days people don't last nine hours in a job they don't like. I spent nine years learning what not to do in business. Um, had I not worked for an organisation uh, that got had so much potential but got things so wrong, I would never have been able to start my own business because there wouldn't have been a gap in the ceiling. There wouldn't have been a, an opportunity. And that's why I said passion, one of my passions is opportunities, that being able to look at things and saying hey where's the opportunity here what, what what's the relevance that i can be to the market in whatever industry because somebody else is not uh and that's an important factor for people no matter what business whether it's owning a business starting a business or working in a business is is that relevance if you're not relevant then there's no existence you know mm, that's a really salient point actually i think for for the listeners to to understand and that one really hits home with me because i chased rainbows for many years but worked for some brilliant companies, um, but some that were obviously getting it wrong and just observing and learning, like you said, keywords are how to not do business or how to not, you know, market a product and whatnot and seeing, you know, how much revenue or how many things were being wasted, you know, on the floor, if you will, like living and breathing it, not just sitting in the office, waving the big stick. And for me, I think if I could go back I'd tell myself to just enjoy the journey and perhaps be a little bit more patient. What I'm interested to know, Philip, hypothetically, if you could go back and speak Mm. to yourself at the start of this journey and you just had a minute, would there be any information that you'd want to just get through your head a little bit more? Yeah, look, um, it's it's a great one, and and I don't think I've shared this um, um, with anyone, so I'm hearing it first here on your show. Um, is I'd go back, and what I'd say to people is remember that people don't always do business the way you do business. Um, don't think that because you operate with integrity that they're going to operate integrity. Uh, don't think that because you say you're going to deliver X Y Z that they're going to deliver X Y Z. Um, and that would be the one thing that um, I would definitely tell myself is to be um, a little bit do a bit do my due diligence a bit better. Um, I've gotten caught in situations where I've invested in people that I shouldn't have. I've bought property that I shouldn't have. Um, I've done all these things. But what I have made sure is that I don't beat myself up about it. Uh, I use it as a learning curve. The first time is not a mistake. Um, if you do it two, three times, third time is definitely a mistake. If you, you know, we can always stuff up the second time. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't beat myself up. But if I could go back, that's what it would be. Do your due diligence better. Um, and it's something that served me 
you know, right this weekend, we, my wife and I went and had a look at some acreage. We've never owned acreage property. Um, we love the idea of it. And in the past, we'd go, we'd love it, we'd buy it, we'd make an offer. This time we went, we loved it, we sat, and we just sat on it and talked about it, talked about different scenarios, and we're still doing our due diligence. And that's something that um, in the past we wouldn't do. But that's definitely something um, that, uh, you know, listeners should take away is, is you can't be too slow because you can miss out on opportunities, but you don't need to be too quick either. Now, that's very valuable, Philip. I appreciate you sharing that as well. And, and a good real life example there. It's almost as if it's it's taken the emotion out of it, which is hard, C- comes with experience, I think. And we can use different scenarios as well where you rush in or like you said, you take someone for granted because in the moment it feels good. Maybe, you know, you've got a, a relationship, you know, the atmosphere is playful or you've had a few drinks and you go into business with someone or you, you know, go half half or you expect a certain investment. And then it's not being delivered upon or you rushed in and you went, oh, fuck, I should have just spent a bit more time to consider, like you said, all of the, you know, the options and doing your due diligence. So I think that's a, that's yeah. a great point as well. There's, yeah. there's another key thing I wanted to touch on because you did an absolutely phenomenal job on the trainer HQ um, podcast with Brad about talking about marketing. Now yeah. marketing is such <laughs> It's like health and fitness. It gets lost in the works and it's infiltrated by so much mess that people don't even know what to do anymore. But once again, the basics are the best and simplicity is key and everyone's overlooking that. So I'd love for you to go and sort of how you define marketing. And as you said on the podcast, you know, summarize it in a way that people could take away the key messages in a lot less time rather than, you know, three, four, five years, even in an industry. And you said it before, it's a key word. That's relevant. Just a quick one, guys, before we carry on with the podcast. For any of you who are interested in taking your health and physique to the next level and you want to remove the guesswork, you're not quite getting the progress that you want, you're not seeing what you want to see in the mirror, and you're not feeling like you're really moving in the right direction, then click the link in the bio below, the apply button, where you can contact me, We can organize a free consultation, no obligation, and discover whether it's a good fit as coach and client. All right, back to it. Relevant. Right. Totally. And I love talking about this. It's, um, like I said, marketing is my background. It's a, it's a passion area of mine. I'm an adjunct professor in it. Um, and simple marketing is the art of telling a story so compelling that people choose you, mm. you know, and that's the fundamental part of marketing. It's the why. Why do we need to market? It's so that we can, t- it's, we're telling a story so compelling that people feel emotionally engaged and choose you. The secret to connecting a person or product or service is emotional engagement. And it doesn't matter what industry, what field, doesn't matter whether you own the business, work in a business, doesn't matter whether it's personal, professional, family. To engage with anything, you have to be able to tell a story. Um, and I see great people doing great work but can't tell a story. Uh, so there's three ways to tell that story. So once you understand that marketing is the art of telling a story so compelling that people uh, engage emotionally with you and choose you, there's three ways you've got to tell that story to deliver the story. And that is one, owning a voice, which is your business cards, your website, you know, your vans, anywhere you want to put your logo up, um, sponsoring things, anything that puts your logo that says, oh, hey, I own, this is my logo, this is my brand, this is what I'm about, it's owning a voice. Mm -hmm. The next one is buying a voice, which is your advertising. 
your media, your social media, your print media, your radio, your digital, whatever it is, that's buying a voice. And the third one, which is the most important, and a lot of people don't have a strategy around, is earning a voice, which is your third party endorsement. So when we're building marketing, you know, when companies are building marketing strategies or people, it doesn't matter, sole traders, it doesn't matter what size you are, your marketing plan should look like this. What is the story I'm telling so compelling that people choose me? So what's my why and my relevance to market? What am I doing around owning a voice and what's my budget? What am I doing around buying a voice and what's my budget? And what am I doing around earning a voice and where's my and what's my budget? Um, and then you can measure your return of investment in each area. And that makes up a marketing plan. And I mean, they could, they could spend a year, two years explaining that at university or somebody who's built multiple businesses like myself that understands a the theory can also apply it to a, to a template. And that's a perfect template for somebody to take away and go, right, let's build a one-page marketing plan um, that's going to be relevant. Not something that's going to, you know, look good in the shelf uh, in your desk that you never look again. Um, but it's a document you can put on a wall and say, let's stay true to our message. This is what we're about. So, you know, the coffee commune is all about where the coffee community comes to collaborate. So it's about the coffee community and it's about collaboration, not competition. So the key elements to that, that's how we emotionally engage. We emotionally engage by bringing the community together to collaborate, not to compete. Um, that's, you know, how do we own it? Well, we spent half a million on our website. Um, you know, obviously we've got our buildings, we've got um, paraphernalia that goes out. Um, owning a voice, well, we do a little bit around digital marketing. Uh, we do a little bit on radio. We've done a little bit on billboards. But earning a voice is where the big one is. How do we get people to tell the story for us and come back? And that's we do it through marketplaces. We do it through meet mingles, bring bring a friend in to come and see the face. We do it through uh, factory tours. And you start to see how we've built our own program. Um, when I had to Bella, and this is an interesting stat, um, because this is where most people get things wrong when it comes to marketing. Um, one, they think marketing is advertising. It's not. Advertising is a form of marketing. And two, they think that you have to spend 5 to 10% of your revenue to be effective, which is bullshit. Right? Um, the Bella was a $35 million a year turnover, uh, and our marketing budget was 200000 And we had the number one brand in the country. Uh, so it's not it's not showboating. It's simple, um, you know, data and analyzing it. You don't need to be spending ten percent of your revenue to create a formidable brand. Um, Ferrari, I use all the time. Ferrari spend money on Formula One. They spend money on their showrooms. They spend money on their merchandise. You don't see Ferrari advertising. You no. won't see Ferrari in a, in a magazine or a TV advertisement. You just won't see it. Red Bull. What did they do? They created their own events. So these are great. Forget the product. Um, you know, because I'm not a fan of Red Bull's product, but their marketing is phenomenal. Mm. How are they engaging people, you know, to 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 with their brand? Well, they did it through events. They created their own events. That's how they own the voice. You know, yet they spend a very little on buying a voice. Um, they, they sponsor things um, like the Formula One team, stuff like that. So by using that model that I've just shared with listeners, they can actually go and pick certain brands around the world, whether it's Apple, whether it's Red Bull, whether it's Ferrari, it can be your favorite clothing brand, your local cafe. And you'll see that if they're successful, it's because they're very clear in how they market, how they tell a story and how they engage. Yeah. And they're great examples as well. I know I had a few running through my head, Apple being one of them. And you touched on a few key points that I wanted to bring up for the listeners as well. We talk about return on investment or even, you know, the concept of the 80-20 rule where a lot of people are wasting money. And I think, you know, with the right precision and strategy, you know, you can turn a ripple into a tidal wave. So one of my more direct questions would be for people who don't have that 
finance initially, aside from what you've already mentioned, you know, creating a plan and understanding the psychology of marketing. You know, I think one of the most powerful tools, as you said, is having that voice where if you have fans or if you like, you like, you know, we used to work for Nike, they used to call it customers to fans, you know, Apple call it promoters, distractors. It's the same thing. It's a different language. You know, people are telling, you know, other people about your product, your experience, your brand, whatever it might be. But what are some of the things from zero cost that people can do if they're in, say, a startup right now, whether that's a service or a product-based industry, that they can do to offer the most return on investment within the realms of marketing? Yeah, so a couple of key things. There's never a zero cost. There's always some cost, right? Mm -hmm. But limited cost, um, I don't believe in discounts and free. I believe in add value. So mm. in, in, for us, we're going through it now with the platform. We've just launched our online coffee. So what we've done is we didn't do, I watch all the other companies. They like to discount. We don't discount because we're already factory prices. We're already fresh roasted. We've already got the edge and, and everyone's got to be paid their worth. However, mm. what we're doing is one of the strategies is add value. So mm. if you buy a kilo of this product, we're going to send you 200 grams of another product to try. Um, or it's, we'll give you a, you know, a commune merchandise pack. So it's an ad value is a great way to do that, right? Um, buying buying for the friends, we always say the friends campaign is a big one. You know, bring in a friend like with the commune, bring in a friend, first coffee's on us um, so that they, you know, it's this warm, friendly place. But it also types in to the psyche of people. As humans, we love to share what we love. So we love to say, hey, Alex, I found this great coffee shop. Let's go and visit it. Hey, and they're going to look after you. They're going to give you your first coffee for free because you've made the effort to go see them. Mm. The, the other one that is very, very important is, um, and I don't believe in taking people to the football and all this sort of stuff. Now, certain industries are different, right? But I think a lot of that, and this is where it came back to your 80-20, a lot of people waste a lot of corporate money in, in, you know, in the past with corporate offices and tickets to the grand final, I think you start, it's definitely diminishing. And I think it'll be a thing of the past. What it is now is about lifestyle. It's tapping in and saying, right, I know that Alex is into holistic health. So mm -hmm. instead of taking Alex to the football, I'm going to give Alex a one hour session with the naturopath, or I'm going to give mm -hmm. him a session with the lifestyle medicine coach, or, you know, it's about, tailoring experiences and and that's a key one and again and that's why i said nothing is free but you can do things on low cost mm. right it's it but it all comes back to how do you build that engagement and the number one to build engagement is to show interest so one of the ways we do is to know about our customers so know what our customers want to do and where they want to be so we sit down with them and say where are you today where do you want to be tomorrow and how can we help align to take you on that journey what happens is that if you're helping someone they're naturally going to tell other people about you However, if you consciously go around trying to make it contrived, it gets lost in the noise sometimes. Mm. So, you know, our marketplaces and our meet and mingles are great. So we say, hey, Alex, you're a member of the commune. I want you to bring a couple of friends with you. No strings attached. Bring them along. Come and have a beer on us and some pizza. Um, come and meet a few people and see what we do. So there's no strings attached. There's no pressure. There's no, oh, Alex, if they sign up, we'll give you 10%, which shifts pressure onto you to try and get them to sign up. No, it's, it's fluid. It's natural. Um, come along. Our, you know, it's very European. Our doors are open. Come mm. and see what we do. And that's how we get to tell our story. And, and, and what people remember is the moment you've got to try and sell something to somebody, you're going to have to sell it to them every day. Whereas if, and that's the difference between sales and business development. I never called my team sales guys because sales means they've got to keep selling. A business development person is there to help you develop your business. And if they help you develop your business, you're going to tell someone else about them. They'll tell somebody else. They'll tell somebody else. So I suppose the key is build solid, meaningful relationships. 
So it doesn't, it can, depends what industry you're in, it depends what resources you have, but the fundamental, what comes out of that funnel to answer your question in short, build strong, meaningful relationships, not, not superficial, you know, wishy-washy, hi, how are you, Alex? Great, love to see you, oh, fantastic. No, build, Alex, how's little Johnny soccer going? You know, how's your partner doing? I heard they're not well, blah, blah, blah. Build solid, meaningful relationships and the rest takes care of itself. Yeah, no, I love that. I think there's a lot of value in what you just said. I can probably encourage people to go back and listen to it over again because it is about, you know, the qualitative aspect of that. And it is very European as well. Something that always, you know, sort of strikes me. And I think you see a lot of this in Melbourne is, you know, those coffee shops where you can go in a little bit more. It's it's lacking here. I think we're getting there. Obviously, you've tapped into that niche yourself where it is a little bit more about the culture, the community. It's it's more present where now we've sort of become, you know, automated in a way where it's it's all pleasantries. It's all, is it, how are you? Yeah, good. How are you? It's like, yeah, you don't have to tell your life story, but sit down, have a coffee. How you, what's going on with the kids? What's going on with the family? And I mean, it's simple stuff once again, really, but a lot of businesses seem to be, to be overlooking this um, in relationships. And that's what I always found to be a really big, alignment between the best companies that I, I work with. So I'll just name a few like Apple, Marriott. Um, they were all about the people. And I just couldn't believe how many companies couldn't get it. For example, and you said this before, you look after your people, your people's your family. Marriott had a great one that's always in my head. And he, he said, you know, you look after your people, your people look after your customers, your customers come back. And I'm like, well, that's simple as shit. But how many people are doing it? You know, you might have a better workplace environment. Like you said, it's not about buying them, but it's like, oh, okay, what, what, what do these people like? What are my, you know, uh, my employees, my fans, the people I work with, not for or to interested in. And that shows that you're listening and thinking, you know, you give them like, there might be a massage or something like that or whatever it is, you know, you, Apple were great. They just had more breaks. They provided an environment where you were cultivated. They, you know, they had a chill out area or less. It's like, why is Google such a successful place to work at yet? So many companies are trying to shortcut the the staff and, and they don't pay them. And then they wonder why their customers are going. I'm like, well, you're paying peanuts. You get monkeys. As my granddad used to say, I don't know if you want to add on to that. Yeah, look, it's and what I would add to that is is you can't make things contrived. That's really the highlighted message. You know, yeah. I hate when people say, "Oh, we we're doing this because it's got to be. We've got to have a policy." Well, forget the policy. Mm. How about we do it because it's the right thing to do? You know, and my and I'll use a great example without getting controversial. Um, mm. uh, is this whole um, and I did it on my own flashcast um, a couple of weeks ago. Got released about diversity, right, yeah. and um, yeah. equality. And I said, the moment you give airtime to diversity and equality, you're not being diversified and you're not being equal anymore. Mm. I don't employ a male because he's a male and he's got to make up the, the quota. I don't employ a female because she's female and she's got to make up the quota. I say, this is the seat of the bus. These are the attributes and skills that I need. And I go to market and I pick the best person for that role. Mm. And the best person is obviously the one with the right attitude and the right values that align with the organization. Mm -hmm. right? Now, if it happens to be more females, I don't care. If it happens to be more males, and I don't care. And one thing I never do and have never done in my organisations is there is no difference in pay discrimination. The pay is the pay. This is the role, this is the job, and these are the opportunities, you know. And, and not only is this the pay, but here's the opportunity for you to earn more. Because, And what I mean is, to bring it down, is 
What mm. that outcome is an outcome of philosophy where it's in my values that you look after people, not because they're male, not because they're female, not because they're, they're, they're lifting some quota for you, but because I want the best person sitting on the right seat of the bus that is capable of making the right decisions. I want somebody whose attitude aligns with the organisation, whose values align. And more importantly, I want to hire somebody who doesn't have a reason to go somewhere else. So I make sure that there is the financial benefit as well as the lifestyle benefit for them, right? And if I do that, then if it's male or female, it doesn't matter, right? Because it's not contrived, it's actually part of my DNA. It's the DNA of the organization. So it's not going out for the wrong reason. And the word there is intentions. And it's a word that doesn't get used enough. Um, so what is somebody's intention? You know, my intention is to have the best person sitting on the right seat of the bus with the right skills, with the right opportunity. And if that happens to be a male or that happens to be a female, it is what it is. They're not there because of their gender. They're there because they're the right person. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. And I love the way you articulated that because there's a lot of intelligent people at the moment um, and a lot of non-intelligent people wasting a lot of time over things that don't matter. Um, right. It's, I mean, every life, life matters. And ultimately, like you were saying, you're going to the core of it and, and looking at what really matters rather than sort of floating around on the superficial aspects, which are always going to be interchangeable it's just a waste of time. It's like focusing on the trees rather than the forest. And, and we see this every day. And this is probably, you know, regardless of whether that's in politics or whether we talk about, you know, now in business, why a lot of people are wasting time, resources and energy, because they're just so focused and distracted with all the minutia in front of them. That has a very little carryover. And as you said, not setting the intention or not being clear on the intention of what is the intended outcome and goal. And I think this is as sort of the theme in here, coming back to that why and knowing what is, you know, if you want to call it the DNA, I think that's a great way to put it, of your company, of your philosophy. If you're not clear on that, how can you you ever go forward? And I think a great example of that is relationships these days with young people. We won't go down that road, but to quickly use an example, people are just, you know, they're, they're dissatisfied, they're in broken relationships, they're in, they're out, commitment means nothing anymore. But I just don't think people are very clear on what they want. And of course, there's no such thing as perfection, but Again, we come back to ethics and values. What are the key things that are non-negotiable to you? If you do that, you go through life and you're subconsciously polarizing and you gravitating towards you know, what you want. It's like you going, well, I don't really know what I want an employee. Well, you, it's going to be hard, isn't it? Because you're sort of Correct. wavering in the wind. But when you're very clear, all right, the, none of that matters, but these are the things that I need for my business. This is aligned. It becomes very clear and the decision is made a lot easier Um I would say uh, within that. So I think, you know, for a lot of people, there's, there's some great takeaways that they can kind of listen in on despite yeah. whatever industry they might be in. I want to talk about, uh, you know, the elephant in the room COVID. I want to talk about how that may have affected you or not and what you did, what the mindset was when that came in and how you overcame any obstacles. If, if you faced any Philip. Yeah, look, I, I, Anyone that sits in front of um, anybody and says that COVID hasn't affected them in one way, shape, or form is um, probably not in touch or not being honest, right? Mm -hmm. um, COVID has affected everybody in one way, shape, or form. For me personally, um, you know, it's the uncertainty, especially somebody that likes to, you know, be working in certain times in terms of, right, um, you know, let me, let me be open about it. You know, entrepreneurial thinkers love uncertain times because that's where creativity happens and opportunity gets seen. But then we have an ability to, to take what's uncertain and make it certain. Mm. Um, and we and we're able to create our own 
boundaries and our own infrastructure and resources, right? And that's the DNA of, a, of an entrepreneur. They look at something and say, I can do it different, I can do it better, but they know how to create and control. COVID's taken that creating control away. Um, you know, if you look at it's it's given the government of all levels, mainly state now um, and then federally, the control. And, and someone like me with that mindset is going to struggle um, because, you know, you, you can have all the um, intentions in the world to set something up and they turn around tomorrow and go, right, we're in lockdown. For whatever reason, um, we're in lockdown. Okay, well then we've got to we've got to go left when they're going right. We've got to go right when they're going left. But mm. the control's taken out of your hands. Um, you know what I've really, you know, but again, being of that makeup, you you deal with it. So what it's I've used it to exercise my brain. Same mm. way we go to the gym or we go walking, we exercise our bodies. Um, we need to exercise our brain. So I've used the mindset is the key, right? You've got to stay sharp mindset so you've got to do everything you can to work on your mind meditation breathing exercises all this sort of stuff that helps me um it keeps anxiety away it keeps you focused and obviously if we're not breathing we're not surviving um so they're the basic things you know meditation breathing and all the rest of it but they all sit under keeping your mindset clear and sharp because my mm. covet has and will continue to affect people um and we've got to be nimble we've got to be as adaptive as possible the biggest effect is it comes back to this and where my fear lies is that we've got the wrong people making the wrong decisions. Mm. You know, um, politicians at the best of times struggle to make good decisions when everything's going well, mm. throw them into this situation now and you can see it. And again, I'm not judging them for their intention because I, I believe 90% of their intention is right. Yeah. They love the power and all the rest of it. And I've worked with a lot of politicians, but you can't argue black and white. So like, our premier in Queensland just allowed 40 odd thousand people at the football grand final on Sunday. Right. Which I'm not arguing whether it's right or wrong. Mm. That's not, mm. that's irrelevant. I'm using it to make an, you know, as the example, they've allowed that yet. I know of two families right now, one, their daughter is in hospital with really bad um, anorexia and can't see her. And another one, his wife's in hospital and he can't visit her. Yet he could have gone to the grand final and sat next to any stranger all around them. None of which had masks on. And I guarantee you, because I know hundreds of people that were at the football and they said no one inside had a mask on. They were all on top of each other. Um, they were screaming, yelling, all sorts of stuff. But I can't visit my daughter in hospital. I can't visit my wife in hospital. Now, that's the problem. The problem is it's okay over here, but it's not okay. And mm. that is we start to creep into dangerous territory of how a brain processes. Mm. And what I mean by that is if you look at the psychology behind it, forget the right or wrong. You, as the leader of this state, say it's okay to go to a football and sit next to a stranger. Yet I can't go visit my daughter who's got bad anorexia in hospital, or I can't visit my wife, or I can't visit my husband, or I can't, you know, bring my child back home. Now, you've got to look at the deep psychological issues of that decision. What can you possibly be thinking, right? There is no humanity in those decisions there is mm. zero humanity and that's what i've struggled with alex it's continued to still struggle um the latest one was the last lockdown in queensland for me um mm. being in the hospitality industry where 10 o'clock they made a decision at four o'clock to close the um to shut everything down and the first thing that went through my head was there's people walking into churches right now getting married that are going to walk out and be told there's no function mm. You know, there's, I'm part of owner in a restaurant here in Brisbane where that night alone, there was $20,000 worth of catering and restaurant bookings gone in one night. That's one business. Jeez. Now, 
Would there have been any difference to make a decision to shut it at 12 o'clock that night versus four o'clock so that people still could have got married, people that had functions on that night could have had it? No, zero. The psychological issue behind that decision is the problem, mm. right? Forget the intention, the psychological issue of that decision of saying that four o'clock versus 12 o'clock. You know, there is no humanity in any of the decisions being made with any deep thought. And that is dangerous territory. Um, and I don't want to scare listeners and all the rest of it. What I urge listeners to do is, one, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but don't regurgitate, do your research and have an informed opinion. Look at stuff with a very wide lens. Don't regurgitate something that somebody's telling you. And you can't argue with black and white, right? Yes, you're allowed to go sit next to a stranger in a football stadium. No, you're not allowed to visit your own family member in hospital. That doesn't make any sense, you know, and you can't argue that. Mm. Um, so in short, I've tried to keep all my discussions um, fact-based um, because in a world where there's so much noise and everyone's got an opinion and a theory, I don't want to add to the commotion. Um, I want to be that calm in the storm for people, not add to the commotion. So um, I've had discussions with people about all sorts of stuff, but people still won't know whether I'm vaccinated or not vaccinated because that's not the issue, mm -hmm. right? The person has a choice to get vaccinated. A person has a choice not to get vaccinated, you know, black and white. Right. We're not here to dictate to anybody. So, you know, it's, it's, that's the disturbing part. And, but the, the key takeaways is keep your mindset sharp, right? Um, you've got to work on your own individual mindset because if your mindset's not right, you're no good to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Don't be naive and think that COVID hasn't affected you. Even these real estate agents who are gloating about how much they're selling and buying Ferraris and Lamborghinis, there's always, a, a, there's always a corner coming. So start yeah. planning for the bad times when times are good, right? But three, make sure that you're not adding to the commotion, you know, be part of the calm, be part of the change that you want to see in the world, as Gandhi says, be part of the calm, don't, don't add to the storm because there's enough bullshit and noise going on. Try and keep your discussions to that black and white and, and data-based, you know? So that's what I try and do. Am I perfect? Far from it. Uh, but yeah, it, that's my take on it. But in short, COVID's affected me. It's affected everybody. Uh, but you make the best of what you've got with the resources. And, and this is something I really want to share with the listeners. Grab a piece of paper and a pen and write down, am I doing the best that I can at the time that it's happening with the resources that I have? And that's my go-to to, to keep myself sane. Yeah. Am I doing the best I can right now? With the resources that I have at the time that things are happening, am I doing the best? And if the answer is yes, then don't beat yourself up. And that contributes to keeping a clear mindset. Yeah, I love that. I couldn't agree more, Philip. There's a lot of valuable thought processes and takeaways there. And focusing on the controllables is something that I'm really passionate about. And it's such a simple concept. We're People are so caught up in the weather and all these external factors, but they're just forgetting what's right here in front of them that they can focus on. And like you said, it's a great exercise to put pen to paper and actually visualize that, acknowledge that, work through that in your mind um, rather than, you know, get lost in, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of think about it. But it, it gets lost in translation. And as you said before, there's a, it's best to be factual and take the emotion out of it, which is hard, especially with what's going on with families and this, that, and the other. But yeah, without going too, too much deeper in that, there's a lot of things that are not making sense. And I think for people who put two and two together and can, you know, see through the matrix, as I always say, uh, it's very clear uh, to be able to, to see that. Yeah. Think things are not quite right. But again, 
like you said, I'm really passionate about not adding to that. I just want to go, hey, look, I'm going to hold some space, whatever I can do. I'm going to provide some positivity. I'm going to focus on what I can do and contribute. I think this is one of the great things we do. You know, we're on this podcast this morning. We're having valuable conversations, meaning conversations with real people who are making a positive difference. And at the end of the day, if we help one people, a thousand or a million, then that's job done in my book. So I love those thought processes. Philip, because we're getting close to time, I want to want to run through some of the um, rapid fire questions, which are a bit more fun, but but quite key in nature. But before I do, we, you mentioned before about, we've touched base on this, sitting on the sidelines, getting in the game. I'd just love for you to just speak about that a little bit, or if you want to add on a little bit in terms of what that means to you and what the listeners can do to, to get involved, shall we say? Yeah, Look, I um, I always say one of my heroes um, or my slogan, go-tos, whatever you want to call it, mantras, is Gandhi's be part of the change you want to see in the world. Mm. Uh, and it came about many, many, many years ago where, you know, if you make that decision, am I going to stay working in an organisation? Am I going to take the plunge? Am I going to get in the river, as Dr. Joe Dispenza says, get mm. in the ring, get in the river and flow downstream, you know, because you're not yeah. going to get downstream if you don't get in the river. Um, and, and it all, you can say it in however you want, but it means don't be a passenger in your own life. Um, you know, take control, control what you can, influence what you'd like to and piss off the rest, right? Mm. It's very simple. Control what you can, influence what you'd like to control. And if you can't control it or influence it, get rid of it. But you can't be a passenger. Um, and we see that a lot. We see people sitting on the sidelines, throwing in their comments, you know, they're, they're sideline commentators. Well, you know, a sideline commentator is a commentator. It has its own seat. It's not a player. So if you want to be treated as a player, get in there and play the game. Um, you know, commentators don't win the game. The players win the game. Um, so you can use whatever analogy you want and all the rest of it, but it comes down to be part of the change you want to see, whether that's family change, politic, you know, political change, whether that's company change, industry, whatever it is, local community, get amongst it, be part of it. Like you said earlier, be, you know, get, get in the journey, enjoy the journey. You know, your destination, we're all going to the same place, regardless of what you believe in. We're not going to exist one day as mm -hmm. we are today. Um, you know, but the bottom line is the journey is what you remembered for, what legacy you're going to leave behind. Again, we can use all these fancy cliches and sayings and, and the rest of it. All they're doing is, is inspiring us to take action. And at the end of the day, if you don't take action, nothing happens. And, and that's why I keep bringing it back to be part of the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, that's a great summary. And, and that sort of answers one of the main questions that I usually ask people about, you know, if you could offer advice uh, to someone that could improve their life every day. I mean, I think that's one part of it. But if if there was to be more specific with that question, I like to ask my guests if you could recommend a habit or a behavior it could be meditation, it could be getting out and walking, it could be again, an exercise, like you said, writing something down. What are one or a few habits that you'd recommend for the listeners to do that would improve their life every day that you've employed yourself? Two. So two really good ones. And I encourage people one, if you can't improve on the silence, don't speak. And, and, and that's something that my wife said to me many years ago, um, <laughs> you know, and, and she wasn't saying it at me. She shared it with me. And I just went, you know what? I really resonate that. And, and you sit and I find myself sometimes sitting back and listening to people's conversations and you just go, what the hell are these idiots talking about? You know, there's just, there's nothing, there's no substance to this conversation. Now it mm. doesn't mean I'd be judgmental or the rest of it. It's just mm. I'll sit there and be quiet. And sometimes people will say, um, Oh, you're very quiet. And I say, well, I can't improve on the silence. So I'm not going to speak. Mm. Right. So that's a really good habit to catch yourself in. And again, it, it comes back to that noise that well, in a world where there's so much noise, if you can't improve on the silence, then don't say anything. The next one is something I love to do at least once a month. 
uh, preferably once a week, um, is the whole pay it forward. Now, whether that's going and ordering a coffee and then paying for the next person's coffee, um, you know, whether it's going down to the grocery, I did this a couple of weeks ago at the grocery store, went down the groceries, left $100 and I said, pay for the next person's um, fruit and veggies um, that come through it. You know, it has two things. One, it, it's surprise and delights the next person, um, but it also helps local business because it's a local family that own it. Um, mm. So little things like that. And it doesn't have, and it can't, it doesn't have to be big. It can be small, um, but it's just that act of kindness. Um, whether it's, you know, I saw it returned back a few weeks ago when my parents were coming to visit us here at the commune and there's a few steps and I looked out the front and there was this lovely young boy helping dad up the steps and I just looked at that and just went wow you know that's awesome so it's not just about paying for things but you know some sort of act of kindness and I think if um if we're conscious about it and you think about it 26 million people in this country right Mm-hmm. If 10% of them, if 2.6 million people said, right, I'm going to be more conscious of some sort of act of kindness once a month, you have a, you have a look at how many things will get done or get achieved. And it doesn't have to be paying for something. It could be doing something, you know, for somebody. So um, that's, that's two habits that I really encourage people to do. One, if you can't improve on the silence, then don't speak um, or hold your space and, you know, and be more, more, more aware with the words you do use. Um, but two, some sort of act of kindness, you know, preferably once a week, but at least once a month. Mm, absolutely. It's important to give something back, pay it forward. And, you know, silence is golden. <laughs> yeah. As the old maxim goes, we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason, something that I've definitely had to improve on over the years, um, being a bit of a chatterbox, that's for sure. Yeah, haven't we both? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the other the rapid fire questions I like to ask Philip, and there's a few sort of curveballs here. They get a bit fun in nature, but one, uh, the next one is, um, so a purchase that you've made for a hundred dollars or less in your life. It could could be in the past month uh, or a couple of months that you've found to be very valuable. What would it be, and why has it been valuable to you, if any? Oh, the cap, the car map. Um, so two, um, one would be, well, Calm app would have been three, five years ago, mm. um, but of late, the Sleep Tracker app. Um, ah, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so the um, the Sleep Tracker app was great. I was away on a health retreat recently, and I wanted to, to monitor my sleep when you're away on a retreat versus when you're at home. And when I was at home, I'm averaging in the 80% efficiencies. Isn't it funny at the retreat, my lowest score was 94% efficiency, as mm. high as 98. Um, shows what happens when you take away alcohol, sugar, caffeine, um, you know, eat natural foods, no preservatives. Mm. It's amazing how your sleep jumps up. Um, so the sleep app track um, of late, but the car map, um, because you can take, well, especially the car map, take it anywhere. You can do a two minute meditation. You can do a two hour meditation. Um, you can log heart rates, all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and the key to it is it just makes you conscious. Because again, this is what I'm saying. If you use it as a tick and flick, it's never going to work. You've got to be conscious. You've got to be, you know, your intention has got to be right. Um, so using that app with the right intention and making me conscious um, to be to breathe, making me conscious to take that one or two minutes to meditate. You don't need to sit down to meditate for hours and hours, right? Mm. Um, so th- those, um, those are the two best purchases under $100. Yeah, no, for sure. And they're great ones. I think a lot of people misinterpret meditation. I know I did in the early days. We think it's got to be sat on a rock and um, or whatever it might be. But ultimately, the key is it's mindfulness. It's being in the moment, uh, whether that's for 30 seconds or one minute initially and then prolonged. Something I find fascinating, actually, from listening to a lot of podcasts, speaking to a lot of you know articulate minds is... I've noticed a trend where people will, whether it's going on a walk or playing an instrument, 
invest in you know up to an hour a day plus sometimes in just doing nothing and really doing nothing or doing an activity which allows the subconscious to get in. So it's not something that's overstimulating. It's almost like music where it's it's not too high, but it's not too low. It's pink noise, I think they call it. But you're just able to let the thoughts come in and let the thoughts go out, whatever it might be. And something I've been trying to practice myself where, because really, when do we these days? I mean, people are on the toilet with their phones. They're constantly watching social media. When do you ever just, apart from when you go down and rest and then it's all, and people wonder why they can't sleep, just let the brain blur out whatever it needs to and then take some perhaps notes on what's important. It, it seems to be tremendously valuable. It sounds really silly, but again, less perhaps is more in this scenario. So great. Interesting stuff. Um, One of my next questions is if you could invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be? And secondarily for fun, this ties into another question. What would you be eating? I.e. what's some of the favorite food that you like as an Italian? I might know, but I'll give you the opportunity. (laughs) Um, Elvis Presley for the entertainment. Yes. Right. Because I just thought one of the most amazing voices you've you've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Um. Muhammad Ali for the mental toughness, mm-hmm. to, about resilience, mental toughness. Um, such a gentleman, but so outrageous, so so retrospect. Mm. Uh, and probably, uh, probably Sophia Loren. Um, class. And, and, and yeah, class, um, talent, understated, um, very strong woman, but not vocal woman. So mm. how do you carry that strength and teach young girls to have that strength and classiness and position without all the noise that goes with it? Mm. Um, what would we eat? Well, uh, um, geez, you'd, I'd probably get mum to cook some, you know, some lasagna and, and um, you know, and probably some sort of meat. So it'd be lasagna for sure. And as the Italians all do, there'll be three courses, you know, you'd have lasagna, oh, yeah. you'd have some sort of meat dish for, for main, and there'd be some sort of cannoli or something like that for dessert. Now you're talking. I like that. It's a great, I mean, a great menu and a great cocktail of people, I'm sure, which would elicit some very, very entertaining and insightful conversations. That's for sure. Philip, I appreciate your time. Before we head off, uh, two things. First of all, do you want to add anything on any lasting thoughts for the listeners that you might want to leave anyone with today? Look, I, um, I, I say to people, you know, people's limitations are often self-imposed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something is that, you know, we're here for a short time. It's all about the journey. But remember that our limitations are often imposed by ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, so you can be who you want to be and whether that is to read more, whether that is to study more, whether that is to start a business, work for somebody, be a mum, be a dad, whatever it is, is that the um, most of the limitations are imposed by ourselves. Hmm. So we've really got to unlock that mental capacity, um, believe in ourselves, um, you know, control what we can influence what we'd like to don't waste your time with anything else, but don't get caught in that situations where your limitations are being self-imposed and certainly don't let anyone else impose limitations on you. Um, Go and be the best you can be. Love it. It's a great way to round out what's been a very valuable and insightful podcast. And for people who want to follow along for more, they want to check out, you know, the coffee, the commune, or they want to reach out to you. Where's the best place to do so, Philip? 
Yeah, so the coffee com so coffeecommune.com.au, there's mm -hmm. websites for comprehensive tells you exactly what we're doing. Uh, and there's opportunity for people to buy coffee online. They can join up as a membership and get invited to stuff and, and part of our learning academy is all included. Um, they can get me on LinkedIn at Philip DeBella on LinkedIn um, mm -hmm. and on Facebook if certain spots pop up because there's a capping of 5,000 or whatever. And I'll normally get rid of, you know, take people that are inactive off there mm -hmm. and it'll open up some spots and stuff. But yeah, LinkedIn's always a good one. Um, you know, and definitely follow what we're doing at the Coffee Commune. And and like I said, the you know, we've got a learning academy there and we've got, you know, benefits for members and all sorts of stuff. So if you think that that's something that you want to be part of, even just the learning side of it, there's 80 online courses and all sorts of stuff, all part of the membership. Um, it's great for people. And again, it's it's not a sell job. It's all about if it's there and it can help you be better tomorrow than today, be part of it. If not, not a problem. Mm. No, that's great. And for everyone listening and watching, I'll, I'll put those links in the show notes in the description below. So you can just head over and check that out. Um, as Philip said, and be part of that community, part of that culture, whether it's for the educational aspect or whether it's more for the experience as well, which is always great. Philip, I appreciate your time, your wisdom. It's been very valuable. I know I've certainly learned a lot from it and I'm sure the listeners have too. And I would actually urge people to go back. I think it's important to sort of listen to things over because there's a lot in that, uh, in what we've spoke about, a lot of value that people can apply not only to business, but their own lives as well. And again, guys, before we sign off, if you enjoyed this episode, again, we talked about it in this episode, pay it forward, share it with someone who you think would appreciate or even needs to hear this message. Make sure, of course, you like, comment and subscribe. Let us know what you thought. If you've got any questions for me and Philip, reach out. Uh, we'll always get back to you. We'll uh, give you the good stuff. We'll make sure we are human in a world that is now a little bit robotic. And for those of you who've recently you know, give us a rating and a review. Uh, we really appreciate that. And if you've not, and it's safe to do so and you're not driving, take two minutes, really helps the podcast grow. And again, it helps us fulfill our mission of ultimately helping more people. So guys, until the next episode, you already know, stay fearless. For those of you who are confused, frustrated, and sick and tired of not seeing the results that you want or deserve, make sure that you click the apply for coaching button in the description below and line up a completely free consultation with myself where we can discover if it's a good fit as client and coach and take your health and physique to the next level once and for all.